Hello again, everybody. It is time for the Mainland Podcast, episode number 211. I am Michael Citro, the founder and managing editor of TheMainland.com. We are SB Nation's website that covers Orlando City, the Orlando Pride, OCB, all things soccer-related in the city beautiful. Hopefully that will include uh, the World Cup, uh, but we won't know that for a little bit. Joining me as always up in Tallahassee and now uh, just completing another lap around the sun, David Rowe. David, happy birthday, and how are you this week? I'm good. I'm older. Uh, I don't feel any older, but, uh, you know, I might look it. I don't know. It's 2020. I think I actually, it wasn't just another lap. It was more like six Uh you know, given everything that's going on. So uh, who knows? I don't, I don't actually know what age I am. Thanks to 2020. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to tell. Uh, somebody on Twitter today said, uh, in response to a story, we'll talk about a little bit later about Pedro Gales. He said, we just got him. And I'm thinking, really? Hasn't he been here? Like, isn't he a 10 year veteran by now? <laughs> because <laughs> it, it seems like another lifetime ago that, Pedro Galese signing uh, took place. Yes. Uh, but let's start off. Let's get the unpleasant stuff out of the way first. The Lions returned to regular season play. First trip to Fort Lauderdale, where there's apparently a Miami team playing. Mm-hmm. And uh, the the trip did not go as planned, Dave. There was a uh, there was a little bit of uh, a little bit of sloppiness. Uh, you know, you you and I talked about the fact that Miami had not played in about 33 days and Orlando was coming off a game with just 11 days prior. Uh, but I think I kind of undersold or, or under uh, valued the fact that this was Miami's first ever home game. And I think that that was, uh, you know, really evident in the way that they played, that they really wanted this game badly. I think that they made mm-hmm. things difficult for the first half, at least for Orlando City uh, getting out of their own end, and I think Orlando City played into that a bit with some poor passing and some some mistakes, and, and just uh, 12 minutes into the game, it was a mistake that gifted uh, Miami a, a bit of an odd man rush and transition, and um, Julian Carranza was able to score to make it 1-0. That was a just a... You know, one thing you, you like to see is a team that plays beautiful soccer, but you don't need a back heel from your defensive midfielder, a blind back heel pass uh, when Rodolfo Pizarro is somewhere behind you. And that's <laughs> what happened with Sebas Mendez. And uh, irritatingly, it ended up in the net and it was one nothing Miami at that point. Yeah, that's a, that's an ill-advised uh, play. I would imagine he's been spoken to rather harshly about that one. Um, as you said, Miami's first home game, they were going to be up for it. Um, obviously, Orlando City came in sloppy. Uh, there's no real other word for it. And it's it's disappointing, um, you know, given how well they did in the bubble. I don't think it's actually indicative of anything larger as we'll get to. But um, still, you would have you hoped that uh, given the shorter amount of time off that you know they might have been the sharper team but it just it just didn't seem like it was going to be that kind of night yeah and it was the first game and and Oscar Pereja was quick to point out that he was not using this as an excuse but it was the first time the team had played under the new traveling restrictions by MLS 
which means you travel on game day and arrive in market on the day of the game. So it's not a right. long flight, but you know you're talking about getting getting people to the airport, getting them on the plane. It's a charter flight, uh, f- making the flight, getting off the plane, and and all of that. And it's not like arduous, but it is not a normal t- part of your game day routine. So um, you know even if it only affects you like on a two percent level, it still affects you. So I, I think mm-hmm. that there was. There was some reason that I had concern when that rule was announced that it would would affect an already difficult task of winning on the road in MLS. Um, you know, people think that it's the crowds, but it's not really the crowds so much. I mean, it's uh, certainly that plays a role, but I don't know, you know, what the percentage of that is. There's the travel, the different climates, the different surfaces, all of that goes into it. The, you know, did you get sufficient rest did you were you able to sleep in a strange bed you know in the hotel um some players uh, you know do it better than others and in fact it can vary from game to game you might you know go to chicago and have a perfect bed and have a great night's sleep and you know then you go to portland and you you know you got a lumpy mattress and the pillow's <laughs> too flat you know um and little just little things or even even in your personal life, you could go on a trip and, and, you know, we've all laid in bed at night wishing we could fall asleep, but our brains won't turn off. And that happens for, for soccer players as well. So, um, you know, these are, these are things that can happen. So again, Oscar Pereira, I asked him about this in the post game. I said, you know, what was it like? And did you learn anything? And he didn't answer that question. He just went on a, a, a you know, to, to explain how much he was not using that as an excuse, which credit to him, but I wasn't trying mm-hmm. to give him that opportunity. I really wanted to know, <laughs> I really wanted the information, like how was it different? What, you know, did you learn anything you might do differently next time? You know, that kind of thing. Cause it's your first time out and it's a first for all of us. So I wanted that, uh, that kind of feedback and I didn't get it, but you know, it's, it's cool. I, I understand. Um, there's a lot of gotcha journalism and, um, it, you know, I certainly don't blame uh, Oscar for giving me a, a very guarded response to that question. Yeah, um, and it doesn't have to be a determining factor to be a factor. Right, right. Um, one of the things we didn't uh, talk about was the starting lineup, but it came into effect shortly after Miami got the opening goal because Daryl DK started for the first time in his professional mm-hmm. career as the striker, and that raised some eyebrows because uh, while he showed flashes here and there during the tournament, um, it was it looked pretty clear that he was like going 200 miles an hour when 100 miles an hour would do just right. fine. Um, and, you know, you wondered how would he react to his first start. And also, uh, Chris Mueller did not start. They started uh, Junior Urso in his place. So you had... Um, it was a very Jason Christ lineup with uh, a whole bunch of defensive midfielders on the field at the same time. <laughs> um, you know, you, you, that's the thing you worry about is the attack. When you, when you go into this stretch of five games in 15 days, how was the attack going to rotate? And uh, the rotation there was DK in for Akindele and Mueller off or so on. And I have to say that the midfield didn't work at all because uh, to me, Junior Urso is old Sebas Mendez, or Sebas Mendez is young Junior Urso, however you want to sure. to, to think about that. Um, neither is a incredibly gifted around the net in terms of putting the ball in it. Uh, both are good ball winners. Both are good positionally. Um, they're both good passers. In fact, I believe they were one and two 
in passing efficiency on the night. I think Urso was one and Mendez was two. Um, Mendez had a lot more uh, attempts because Urso came off at halftime. But that part didn't work, and I think that helped Miami. I think it hurt Orlando's attack because there was no one dynamic on the right side to work with Juan. So Juan didn't really get forward a whole lot, and when he did... He didn't have an option once he, you know, if he was cut off, he didn't have somewhere to go with the ball because you didn't have the same kind of movement that Chris Mueller gives you. So I think that that for the first time, I think we saw Oscar Pereja make um, what I would say was probably not a great decision in terms of personnel. I think he he kind of owned up to that a little bit in the post game press conference about how they weren't they were not very good in the first half, and then Mueller came on and, and really uh, changed the game for them. And uh, But his other uh, substitution with DK, the one that probably seemed a little bit more eyebrow-raising worthy than the other, well, that one worked out fine because uh, <laughs> DK ended up tying the game uh, just six minutes after the uh, Miami goal. Uh, really unbelievable play by him. He, uh, he gets in on the right side and, and just – I can't even put into words how his first shot was because – I think the the words I would just say is that if that shot hit me, it would kill me on the spot. That's how hard he hit the ball with his foot. And, you know, Luis Robles fought it off. Um, DK was a Johnny on the spot. First guy to the rebound, kicked it again, was blocked, uh, spun around, found it again, kicked it. This time it went off a defender and in. So a uh, great job by the rookie to stick with it and to just have the determination that I'm just going to keep after it and not give up on the play and not hang my head that the first one didn't go in or the second one got blocked. And um, he made the score one, one. Yeah. It's uh, one. You're extremely happy for the young man, you know, getting his first goal, uh, you know, two, you're right. Uh, I always imagine, um, you remember that old time video? I think it was Van Halen had a cover of it where the cannonball is shot into the big guy's gut that's what that had to have felt like uh, for Robles <laughs> is taking a cannonball, uh, you know, right at, right at you. And um, but then uh, to to be able to to not give up. I mean, that's that's the kind of thing that uh, a guy like DK needs to do. I mean, he's he's still he's still developing, he's still learning. If um, you know, he, he's not going to have that the the best first touch or anything like that. And and you know, tenacity can sometimes uh, overcome things like that. And in this case, it did. Um, so, you know, good on him for, for making that happen. And, uh, you know, once again, just congratulations. Well, the joy was not felt long uh, because no. uh, Carranza would strike again uh, just a few minutes later. And this time, it I believe, again, it was Sebas Mendes giving the ball away, but it was a kind of a normal play. It wasn't really transition. It was a normal looking cross from the left side by Ben Sweat. And it, it looked for all the world like Robin Janssen was just going to jump up and head the thing away. Uh, but when Janssen got up, I don't know if he maybe was a little off balance before he jumped and didn't get full height or if he jumped a little earlier. It really couldn't tell what happened on the play. And we didn't get to talk to him after the game. But he he just it just went over his head. And got to Carranza, and Carranza made just a, a perfect shot. I mean, he, he he looped it up and over and inside the back post to make it 2-1. Yeah, it's um, 
once again, give it up to Miami for being hungry in their their first home match. I mean, I think that's where it comes from, and and the Lions not, you know, being as uh, in tune with you know what was going on, and and that's why you know Miami was uh, able to take advantage of that. Um, we saw the types of, of breakdowns that we we hadn't seen much this year, especially defensively, uh, other than you know a little bit in the Portland match, but. Um, it's once again, I'm not, I don't want anybody to take this as, as, you know, Oh, the world is ending. We're outside the bubble. Everything's it's all going bad again. You know, no, um, it's one match. Um, and you know, yeah, it's unfortunate, but, uh, defensive breakdowns happen. They do. Unfortunately, uh, you don't see them out of the beefy Swede too often. Um, no, a little uncharacteristic, but uh, Pereja said that you know that they didn't play well defensively. They especially didn't handle crosses very well, um, and uh, that would come in and bite them on the third goal. Uh, it was a one-goal game at the half. Orlando City played, I think, pretty decently to close the half, but really, again, struggled to to uh, to get that final ball where it needed to be, to pick out that right pass where it needed to be. Um, you know, Miami was doing a good job of, of getting deep again and and, um, and keeping a low block, kind of like what Portland did in some respects. But, um, you know, City wasn't able to, to break them down. It was 2-1 at the half. Then after coming out of the half, again, you have an early goal in the second half. And again, just a normal cross this time in from the right. It gets flicked on and then just, I don't know if, if people were ball watching or the rotation was bad or people were, you know, over on the sideline having a nap. Uh, maybe get their hydration break in early, but there were two guys wide open in the box. Uh, Pellegrini, I think, was one of them, and, and Pizarro was the other. You don't ever want Pizarro to be one of those two, and it <laughs> fell for him in the box with no one around him, so pretty easy finish for him. 3-1, the most goals Orlando had conceded all year in a game, and also the first multi-goal, uh, first time trailing by multiple goals under Oscar Pereja. Yeah, well, here's the the good news. It was bound to happen at some point. Uh, I mean, we love what Oscar's doing, but uh, soccer is soccer, and things happen like that. So uh, now it's out of the way, and um, we can we can move on. Uh, once again, defensive breakdowns uh, on the third goal. Um, I don't know if the same day travel was a bigger factor than we thought. Obviously, Oscar's you know chalking it up to that. It, who knows? I'm, you know, teams have off games. It happens. Uh, we were, you know, overjoyed at what we saw in the, in the tournament. And, um, but if anybody thought that we were going to win every match, uh, you know, going forward afterwards, um, well, frankly, you were being completely and totally unrealistic. And so, you know, this might be a wake up call, not just for the sports, but also for the team. Um, uh, one that they, you know, they might need coming out of the bubble, and um, hopefully that's uh, that's what they'll take from it. Yeah, uh, it took it still took Orlando a few minutes to to really settle into that second half. Uh, Mueller did come come on at halftime, but it was three one at forty nine minutes, and uh, a minute later it was really almost four one as Pizarro just came down one v one against Antonio Carlos and put a shot off the far post. Uh, that stayed out, so uh, it could have been worse at that point. Uh, but then Orlando started to get back in the game 
a little bit. Um, you know, not for another mishap with a, an unguarded um, <laughs> unguarded Victor Uyoa in the box, but uh, thankfully uh, Uri Rosell was kind enough to block Pizarro's cross into the box for, for Uyoa. As it just seemed like the team was a little out of sync defensively. I don't know if they weren't communicating or if they were, you know, I, I, I really don't know. They, they have not played like this defensively in any game this year. They've been very sharp on defense. And in this game, they, they weren't. I don't necessarily think Miami was doing anything crazy complicated for them to, to catch on to. It's just like you said, one of those matches. But then Orlando started to get back in the game. And, uh, you know, there was, uh, you know, started with, you know, a cross here, a pass there, uh, a shot blocked here. Um, kind of the sad thing, really, about the second half was just seconds after it started, Chris Mueller nearly got in alone. Uh, he just showed too much of the ball, as he sometimes does, and, and got it knocked out for a corner. But, um, you know, he was uh, he was a, a, a difference maker in this game as the team started to look a little more uh dangerous they were able to break through that low block a little easier they were able to get crosses in um they had better movement a lot of the stuff was just better um Mueller nearly uh got the team back into it in the 74th minute uh Tasho Akindeli was a second half sub uh, fed a really nice ball out in front and uh, Mueller got to it I'm really still not sure how he didn't knock it in uh but I think it must have hit off the defense defender uh, either right before it got to Mueller or right after it came off Mueller's foot and it just didn't go in. Um, it would have kind of been almost a carbon copy of the goal he scored against Miami in the first meeting where he had that sliding ball that went up, up and over Robles um, that Robles got a piece of. It was kind of that that type of play. It was only the other direction. It was coming in on the left. But in the 80th... Finally, Orlando got back to within one. Uh, just another nice play. This one, Juan finds DK in the box. DK took on uh, Leandro Gonzalez-Pirez and really made a heads-up move here. He had he had beaten Gonzalez-Pirez earlier um, on the you know with his turn to score the first goal. And uh, on this play, he kind of was coming left to right. He was kind of moving toward the toward the side of goal rather than toward the middle. Uh, a lot of young players just will turn and fire and just knock the ball off the shins of the defender right in front of them. But DK knew he wasn't in a good position to score, uh, which was a really, really mature play for a first-year player in his first start. And instead, he lays it off to Mueller. And Mueller had plenty of time with the ball and, and sent a nice back uh, post cross that Nani got onto, headed it in for the goal. It's 3-2, game on with uh, 10 minutes plus stoppage time to play. Yeah, you know, we've noted before that this uh, this club doesn't give up and they, you know, they rarely change. Um, they rarely change how they play. Um, you know, obviously the addition of Mueller made a big difference in how the offense was was functioning. You know, he he brings that that energy. Uh, and now uh, that he's been in the league for a few years, a bit more skill. He always had the energy, but now it's it's got some skill to back it up. And um you're right, DK um, making a surprisingly nice uh, decision there that led to the goal. And of course, you know, Nani being Nani, he's not going to let that one uh, pass without putting it in. Down one, um, still, still plenty of time. You know, we've seen this club score 
uh, late in games often. I mean, cardiac cats is a, is a thing just because of, of all of that. So it, you're feeling, well, you were, I didn't watch it live. So you were feeling, <laughs> you know, okay, maybe there's some hope. I of course knew what the final score was when I'm watching it, but uh, it was still, you know, when I did my rewatch, cause I was away on vacation, it was nice to see that uh, they, they weren't, they weren't rolling over. Yeah, and they really had a they got a good chance to take uh, to tie the game up just a, a couple minutes later. Nani fought through Dylan Nealis uh holding him like uh you know, like we all want to hug Nani, but you shouldn't hug Nani if you're on the other team uh during play. And you know, he fought <laughs> through it rather, you know, some guys would go down and get that get that free kick right away. Um it would have been right on the edge of the box on the left side. Not a bad place to get a free kick, <clears throat> but you know, credit to him. He's trying to score. He fought through it, and he fired a shot, but it was right at Robles. So uh, we remained 3-2. Uh, the rest of regulation kind of came and went uh, with, with Orlando sort of probing, and then we got into stoppage time. And um, Nani just kind of created something out of nothing, and it nearly tied the game. He just whacked the thing at the goal, and it just was a really deceptive shot, and it hit the crossbar. And it was uh, it was a little bit of a crazy play because it seemed like, you know, the Lions thought that Robles got a touch on it and touched it off the bar. It was kind of hard to tell in the replay whether he got it or not, uh, but the, a goal kick was awarded, so uh, that ended that chance. And really kind of and the game kind of just sputtered to a halt, and uh, Miami gets the... Uh, Gets the early whistle in the 95th after uh, the referee had spent about 45 seconds talking to two players about knocking it off, uh, and he he didn't give any extra time for that. So, uh, but who knows who would have what would have happened in that extra minute? We don't know. But the point is, it should have been given. It wasn't given, and Miami gets its first ever franchise win. And, you know, I guess that's the good point is uh, they only have three points. Orlando has eight, so Orlando's still uh, ahead of their. Uh, Tropic Thunder neighbors down south. They're public's enemies, if you will. <laughs> like them both. <laughs> yeah, it's a uh, heck, heck of a time for crossbar challenge, uh, you know, in the 91st. But uh, at least at least Orlando's wasn't giving up. I mean, they're still taking shots. Uh, and um, given how sloppy they were especially in the first half to to be in it that late is you know that's a, a small silver lining uh you know a loss is a loss but uh you know if i think in the past it might have ended 3-1 um rather than actually being in question that late into the match so well i mean we've seen orlando teams that would have gone on to lose this game 4-1 5-1 yeah um you know, but this this was a team that you actually felt like once they got it to three two, they they could come back and tie it, and you know, you wouldn't have even put it past them to win the game really, uh, yeah. with ten minutes plus five minutes of stoppage time. You knew there was going to be a lot of stoppage time because you had the hydration break. Um, you know, there were a couple injuries in that second half, obviously a, a goal, uh, a couple goals, so. You know, you, you figured that there could be, you know, pretty decent amount of stoppage time tacked on. If they could get one by 86 or 87 and tie the thing up, then, you know, you would not have put it past them to win the game. But yeah. it wasn't to be. Uh, Orlando 
uh, had more shots, 12-11, more on target, 5-4, 64.6% of the possession uh, out past them, 88% to 78%, but the Herons claimed the points uh, just because you know they were sharper in front of goal, and also Orlando gave them opportunities that really most games they wouldn't have had. Yeah, it's... As I mentioned earlier, you know, don't don't despair. Don't think that this is the you know back to the the old normal or anything like that. Um, you know, if if we see this for another you know three games, okay, then you can call me up or at me and and tell me I was wrong. But for right now, I, I think this is a uh, there's just a speed bump. I mean, as we mentioned last week, I mean that we're only talking about what ten games now with uh, Oscar Perea, so it's you know, it hasn't, yeah, 2020 makes it feel like forever, but it, it hasn't been that long. There's bound to be, uh, you're, you're bound to have matches like this. This just happened to be one of them. And yeah, we all wish it wasn't Miami, but would you, you know, rather, you know, I don't know. Would you rather have lost to somebody else? It, it doesn't, <laughs> maybe it, it was, it was going to happen in, at some point. So it's out of the way. We move on. I think my druthers is if you know if you have to lose a game, lose to somebody that's eight points behind you, not yeah. to somebody you're fighting with for a position, you know, or trying to catch. Yeah. Um, it, it's tough. You don't want to. You don't want to drop any games. But as Oscar said, you're not going to win every game. Um, overall, I think that the the adherence to the prince, team's principles were there. Uh, there wasn't as good of execution on the defensive end. I thought the. I mean, this is not a team that's going to score a lot of goals. So two goals on the road. You know, you got to say, okay, good. That, that was that's that's what mm-hmm. we want. We want to see you know crooked numbers on the scoreboard, um, but uh, you don't expect to give up three. You don't want to give up three, uh, especially when you only give up four shots on target. You don't think normally three of them will be in the net, uh, but that's that's what they had, and you know they know what they got to do. They know they have to clean it up. They've given up five goals in the last two games and that's not good enough and it's it's not good enough for Oscar. It won't be good enough for the players and uh they're going to they're going to, you know, like just like we said they're going to address the the set pieces after the Portland game. The set pieces were mostly very good defending. So I thought they did better there. They just didn't do as well in the run of regular play and um you know it's it's not going to get any easier. I think we we went into this game. I I, I think I mistakenly thought Matuidi would, would had been around long enough to get in the lineup. He didn't play. Miami's only going to get better when they get him. Um, you know, people tell me, you know, oh, the, you know, we we got to beat them. You know, they're they won't haven't been together very long. Well, you know, this you know Orlando hasn't been under Oscar Pereira very long either. Uh, Miami's a talented team. They have talent. I, it's it's okay to admit that. Just like it's okay to admit Atlanta has talent or New York City FC. They have talent. They're going to win games. They're they're not going to lose, you know, 40 games this year, you know, or whatever. It's yeah. they're, they're they're a team that's going to they're going to be around. They're going to be around and it's probably not going to take them very long to, you know, to become a playoff team in this league if they're willing to spend what they are obviously willing to spend. Um, I thought Julian Carranza played a good game. Uh, when he wasn't busy fouling people or flopping, he was playing very well. Um, <clears throat> you know, they could have uh, sent Matias Pellegrini off, uh, I think it was, who who got away with a yellow card in about the sixth minute that he didn't give on a chop down of Jean Moutinho, and he got another yeah. one later in the game, and it was like, uh, you know. 
Um, also, they didn't 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 book uh, Pizarro for going into the grandstand. I know there's no fans there, but he went into the grandstands after a goal. It's usually a yellow card, I think, most yeah. places. Um, you know, he he didn't have fans to hug, but he hugged a cardboard cutout, so it's the same thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in in that scenario, it is. I mean, look, it's I a mean, big, you know, they're. I mean, I, I guess I could make the joke that was <laughs> that he, if the real fans were there, or if there were fans in the stands, he'd be holding hugging plastic instead of cardboard. But um, I'm not going to make that joke. That joke will just make itself. I don't yeah. have to do that. Um, Dave, how did we do with our predictions? Uh, we are back to normal on our predictions in that we were both wrong. Uh, we both predicted a draw. You said it was going to be a 2-2 draw. I called a 1-1 draw, obviously 3-2 loss, so we're both in the red this week. Well, it would have been a 2-2 draw if only Robin Janssen had timed his jump better. Fair enough. <laughs> How could I know the beefy Swede would let me down? That's honestly, you wouldn't expect that. He's so. never, he never lets me down, but uh, yeah. So who's your man of the match? I, I, I feel like we're going to be unanimous again. Uh, you know, I was back and forth between uh, Nani and DK just because of, uh, you know, Nani had a pretty decent game. He had a lot of shots on, on goal and, um, you know, but of course, you know, DK gets his first knee and he played really well for, uh, uh, you know, for a first year guy. Um Despite that, I'm going to go with Nani and say, DK, good job. But, um, you know, as as much as I want to give it to him, I'm going to give the nod to Nani. All right. Then I stand corrected. We are not in unanimous agreement this week. I am going to go with Daryl DK, who who played uh, a role in both goals, got the hockey assist on the second one. Just just a tremendous... uh, decision there that you don't see out of most young players i don't know that tesho would have laid that off i mean and he's been around around for a while i mean dom sometimes would not lay that off probably sometimes he would try to force that ball um that it was a really heady play and it's smart to know when you have a better option especially when that option's behind you that's the hardest thing i think for young players in the game that are attacking players is to know that sometimes you can go forward by going backward. And I think that that deserved to be uh, rewarded. I think this, the, the tenacity with which he scored his first MLS goal uh, and the fact that it was his first start, first time going 90 minutes, and felt good for the kid. I, I agree, Nani had a really good game. I know people that didn't think he did, and I was like, well, go look at the stats because he yeah. really kind of did. Um, just a quietly good game, and I think a lot of that – came at the end and again I think that goes back to Nani's conditioning I think he you know we talked about him having more in the tank late in in games in the tournament and he had more in the tank late in this game uh, when other people looked gassed he didn't look gassed he actually um, sort of looked like he was on in another gear at that point you know I was 50-50 on this one um, and I think maybe because uh, since I didn't watch it live and I, I knew the outcome and I knew what I was looking for, um, that's why I was giving Nani the nod. But you've convinced me and I'm going to change it up because I wanted to give it to DK because of such a great performance for him <laughs> and he is getting his first goal. So as you know, anybody can call foul on me if they want, but as a reward to him for uh for doing all he did in that game and getting his first goal I, i'm 
I'm gonna I'm gonna switch my vote, and uh, we're we are unanimous again. Once again, I think it was more so that I I already kind of knew what he had done, mm-hmm. so I think the impact of it when I'm watching it wasn't as great as if I had been watching it live. I think it's just my debating and oratory skills that changed your mind, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> sure, we'll go with that. No problem. All right, so we will turn our attention to Nashville. The games are fast and furious, Dave. In fact, tonight we have we have to do two key matchups and two uh, score predictions because we have to talk about the Nashville game and the Atlanta game both before the next time you and I talked. Um, and you know, we could have got we could have got a uh, could have got a guest to talk about one or both of these games. Uh, we don't have we don't have a guest tonight. <laughs> but I have a feeling we have plenty to talk about that we don't need to spend the extra 20 minutes talking to a guest, although we enjoy talking to the guests, and I think our, our listeners enjoy hearing less of us and more of our guests. So, um, so we'll work on it. Yeah. We'll, or you'll work on it. <laughs> so we, you know, the thing is, and we'll talk a little bit, this is a little teaser for what we're going to talk about later, but, you know, there was some NWSL news today and tried to get somebody from the club to come and talk about that, but... Uh, we did not uh, have success in rounding someone up on short notice. It was short notice because the news just broke today about the the NWSL restarting with a fall series, what they're calling their fall series. And uh, you know, we'll we'll talk more about that later. But we we were unable to secure somebody, and um, that's where my focus was, rather than trying to get somebody to talk more MLS because this was a, I think a, a special situation that. You know, I just wanted to to get somebody on to to kind of talk about it, but uh, yeah, you and I will have to be those people talking about it later in the show. I um, suppose so. Since you and I talked last week, I believe we teased that there was a signing coming. We did, and we told everybody not to expect anything huge. Uh, it was not, once again, for the people on Twitter, not messy. <laughs> Although Messi is now asked to be l- released from Barcelona, so that's back on the table. Oh man, my Twitter mentions are going to blow up again. Thanks. Back Michael. on the table, Messi is back on the table. Um, you heard it here first that that he's back on the table. <laughs> <laughs> Not that he's coming here, but that he's back on the table. Um, so yeah, the sometimes the thing is about. Uh, working for a blog or a newspaper or, or a television station or whatever when you're in, in into writing about sports or talking about sports is that sometimes you know more things than you're allowed to say. And so it was with uh, Matthias Ayas, who is the signing uh, that we had been discussing. Um, not somebody that a lot of people had heard about. Uh, it was playing for Mirandes, which is not like a big name club. In fact, they just got promoted to the Spanish Second League uh, last year. So this is a guy who was a striker who nominally was signed by Watford, but essentially was a Watford U23 player um, and had never played for Watford. So uh, he had been on loan with Mirandes. Mirandes was in the third division. Uh, He did pretty well for them. Um, got them, helped them move up to the second division where he didn't quite have the same kind of production in terms of overall numbers, but his numbers per minute went up, goals per minute, or goals per 90 minutes, I should say, because, uh, you know, he was coming off the bench more, wasn't getting as many minutes, um, but 
you know, the where he really made his his uh, his name was he helped Mirandes make a really nice Copa del Rey run last year, and uh, they got all the way to the semifinals. So, uh, you know, when you have a minnow like that, and and he he was runner up for the Golden Boot in the Copa del Rey, so he was mm-hmm. scoring goals. He was scoring goals against big name clubs that you've heard of, like Sevilla and um, <clears throat> Villarreal. You know, if he's scoring goals against teams like that, you think, wow, you know, he's able to score against some of the top-notch La Liga clubs. Uh, but I couldn't go back. I, I mean, without going back and actually watching those games, finding those games and watching them, I couldn't tell you that those clubs put out a first-choice lineup for those games. I don't know. Right. Uh, maybe they put out some starters and some backups. I, I don't really don't know. So I can't really speak to that. But I could, I could say this. He's... You know, I shared in Sunday's Lion Links uh, a, just a little clip from one of those games in the Copa del Rey, which I think is the type of play that made him worth putting on the radar for Orlando City. And that's, you know, he, he sort of, um, you know, kind of looked over his shoulder, kind of kept an eye on where the ball was, but he was he was pressing without really looking like he was pressing, if that makes sense. And he just anticipated the pass really well, stole it, he ended up scoring a goal. And I think that's the kind of striker that really Oscar Pereja, his system uh, is is designed for, is a guy who's going to help with win the ball back uh, and also be able to finish. And I think that he, he did some nice things on that play. And there was some really subtle things that he did well on that play. And of course, with any highlight film, you're not going to see the flaws. But this player obviously doesn't, he must have, some or he would have been not a third uh, tier player and then a second tier player. He would have been in the top flight uh, had he had fewer flaws. But he's he's a young guy. He's 23. There's still time for him to even get better. And, you know, it's with with Daryl DK showing some promise there with the with the game uh, Saturday. Probably not too bad to have Tesho and and if DK pans out and this uh, this young 23 year old, um, you know, all coming to the club. By the way, he's uh, he's Brazilian. Imagine that this club uh, mm-hmm. signing a Brazilian player, and um, you know he's a guy who spent some time in the Ponte Preta uh, and uh, youth system, then Granada in Spain, and and you know again he caught the eye of Watford and and uh, was was nominally a, going to be part of their U23 program, but was loaned out. So we'll see what we have. But again not going to happen in phase one because you know how long uh, international paperwork can take it's probably mm-hmm. not any quicker during a pandemic and uh, then he's got to travel and then he's got to go through the league's quarantining rules uh, before he can join uh, for training and then you know most coaches like to have a guy for about a week bef- at least before they get him on the field so um, probably not a phase one option no i i would Something really weird, which is 2020, so I'm not saying it couldn't happen. But, I mean, we're talking, you know, peak 2020 weird for him to, to make it uh, into the, the first section there. So I, I don't expect that. You know, he's a we, – we told you it wouldn't be a big signing um, as far as, you know, big name or anything like that. But that doesn't mean it's not a good signing. Um, you know, we also spoke about how uh, the front office and, um, you know, Pereira and Muzi and uh, Maria are are doing a really good job of identifying talent, bringing it in and slotting it into the system that they are trying to to do. And, and you mentioned that uh, Matthias is going – 
is, is most likely going to fit into that system very well. The other thing to remember is that uh, Oscar is very good at developing young talent, um, which once again, 23, he's, he's young. He has, he is nowhere near his ceiling. Um, this is a great opportunity. Um, and finally, we're thin at strikers. So if anybody's complaining about a, uh, a guy who's has, a uh, experience, uh, elsewhere in the world coming in here to, to help out, um, I don't know what you're thinking because I'm, I'm pretty excited about it. I think most people are excited. I, I think most people are ignoring us and getting more excited than maybe they should, but, um, that's, that's okay. That's okay. I mean, it, it, it's, I want him to be really good because obviously yeah. he plays for my favorite MLS team. Uh, so, you know, we'll see what happens. And, uh, you know, I think it's just very, very good sign. I mean, you can't, can't really read too much into one game. It was a good sign that DK went out and had a good first start in MLS mm-hmm. and hopefully he can continue that, you know, um, he has got tremendous size and strength. And I, you know, I, I had seen him, you know, his highlight tapes and stuff. I had seen nothing that showed me the power that he hit that shot with, that initial shot that Robles saved. And I got to imagine every single knuckle on both of Robles' hands are were bruised after that because it was just amazing. Um, but if, if DK can, can provide some offense this year, uh, that's that's positive, and and if if Mateus comes in and, and does the same, uh, you know that's great because I think some people kind of forgot a little bit of that Tesho's not like really prolific as a striker, and <laughs> you know Tesho's like he said a career high last year with ten goals. Ten goals is good. That's like for your backup striker, ten goals is is definitely a good number. Uh, but with he was getting basically first. Uh, you know, like starter minutes, you know, because the yeah. Dom was out so long. So, uh, you know, you want, you want probably a little bit more production from that, from the guy that's got the most minutes and we'll, we'll see how that goes. But a committee approach could be really good for the lions with Dwyer out. Uh, if DK can produce, if Matthias can produce, if Tesho can give you seven to 10 goals again, then I think you're going to get pretty good production out of that position. And, and then it's just up to the midfielders to start, uh, you know, burying their shots when they have those opportunities. You know, when when a Sebas Mendes jumps up into play and gets a good scoring opportunity, or when a fullback cuts in and, and has uh, an open shot, some more of those have to go in um, to really make this team be clicking on all cylinders as far as offense. Because you know what you're going to get from Nani. You you probably can maybe expect a little more than what we've seen in the past from Mueller because he does look like he's improved some. But I don't think that necessarily means that Mueller's going to go out and score 15 goals this year. I think you're probably looking at somewhere between 5 and 10 uh, for the season again. And, you know, so Pereira's not real prolific either, so he's going to probably give you 5 or 6 at some point. But because he's more of a setup guy, he's going to always look to to pass first. Um, it, It really comes down to the fullbacks and the midfielders chipping in if you can get that production from the striker. Yeah, and I don't want anybody to forget that, you know, Mueller was the assist king in college. So, I mean, if if we're able to get some, you know, goals by committee and from everybody, Mueller's going to get his. But if he's also uh, um, like Mauricio, if the two of them are setting uh, good opportunities up for 
whoever's at striker, whether it's it's DK Tesho uh, or Matthias, then and or you know going to the other side and Nani's you know putting a header in. Uh, those are those are very important parts of an offense. Uh, that's why we actually you know uh, count assists. So it's you know. Uh, I don't need I don't need Chris to to have a, a season high in goal if he's going to have season high in assist. All right, well let's let's be greedy and have both. Okay, yeah, that's that's fair. I mean, this is 2020. I want everything that I can get. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because yeah. We, I can't get so many of the things I want, but I would <laughs> like to have this uh, in its place. Uh, two more bits of Orlando City news before we move on to the Pride and OCB and our mailbag and all of that stuff. Uh, one is that, you know, we just talked about strikers. We just talked about the fact that, you know, DK is good to see him him perform. We don't, we, we're we looking forward to seeing Matthias and, and obviously we want Tesho uh, to keep doing what he did last year. Uh, but one guy who won't be adding to the goal total from the striker position is Santiago Patino. Because Orlando City sent him to Mexico. And I don't mean they just said, you know, hey, get out of here. You go. You just go to Mexico right now. You're grounded. They didn't do that. They loaned him. They did it in a more normal way. (laughs) Not (laughs) not in a twisted way, uh, you know, that only my mind could fathom. But, yeah, it uh, it was a loan to Cimarrones de Sonora. Uh, this is not in Liga MX. This is the second division. Um, some I think it used to be called the Asensio, um, and uh, you know now it's it's uh, Liga de Expansión MX. Uh, but anyway, it's the second division side. Um, hopefully Santiago will get some some playing time, get a lot of minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, clearly, this was a move that came after uh, the Mateus signing, and and you know obviously. Oscar knew he was going to start DK at some point, uh, so you've got uh, you've got to you've got to get Santi some minutes if he's going to be buried on the depth chart. So um, send him there. Hopefully he'll get some playing time. We'll try to monitor his progress there and and, uh, and see how he's doing. But uh, it's good for him to get some minutes. Um, he's he certainly you know he had a, a brief flash when he first started getting minutes last year as a rookie. Uh, with a couple of goals, like two goals in a three-game span. And then he just kind of fell off the table and had trouble getting back on the field. And you just kind of felt like he maybe fell out of favor with James O'Connor, maybe wasn't doing all the little things uh, in training to get him minutes in the game. Um, and and now it's uh, this is like you, when something like this happens, it's like, well, here's a player who's he's in his, his you know he's early 20s, Let's get him some minutes. Let's see if he can, you know, get on the field and make a, a difference and, and then bring him back. Sometimes loans are a precursor to just sending someone out, um, like is what kind of what seems to be ho- happening with Josue Coleman. Uh, mm-hmm. But sometimes those things work out where they, they develop and you can bring them back and then they can be productive for your club. Or, or, or maybe at some point, uh, you know, he's shown somebody something and you can get something for him. You can get get some assets that way so good luck to Santiago Patino but he won't be helping the Lions this year no and and like you alluded to there you know the short but uh, short and sweet of it is is that this happens all the time so uh nothing wrong with it 
uh, good on him. Hopefully, you know, he gets some playing time and down the road he comes back and helps or down the road we get something uh, for him instead. It's, uh, you know, we we may have seen the last of him. Who knows? Uh, but uh, at this point, just trust that uh, the guys in charge know what they're doing. I know it's hard after a loss, but uh, it's 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 something that I think over the last year or so we can we can we can feel pretty good about. Yeah. The other news kind of happened uh, within the last 24 hours or so, Dave. The, um, the news started to – you started to hear a buzz online, on social media, uh, some reports out of South America that uh, Argentinian uh, Big Five Club Independiente, uh, you know, which they lost their goalkeeper recently because they didn't pay him, um, <laughs> having some financial <laughs> issues. They decided to replace their Uruguayan goalkeeper with a Peruvian one. They had their eyes on Pedro Galese, El Pulpo. And, again, it's one of those uh, cases where, you know, we're, we're looking into things. We find some things out. And some of the things we can talk about and some of the things we can't talk about. Well, one of the things we can talk about is that this was a situation where Independiente wanted Galese. They explored that really through back channels. Um you know, we our sources told us that you know the Independiente came through Galese's representation, his agent, and said, "Hey, uh, you know, are you interested in uh, shaving some salary? And if so, you know, Independiente would really like to get Galese on loan." Um, which you never know. I mean, it's we're in the middle of a pandemic. You never know when a club will say, "You know what? Yeah, we're losing our shirts here. We let's let's save some salary." Uh, you know, we got Brian Rowe on the bench. Why don't we send him out on loan? Uh, but <laughs> only a knuckleheaded team or a team that's <laughs> really, really desperate would send out a starting caliber goalkeeper, a guy who really nearly was the Golden Glove winner in the MLS's back tournament and really has a chance to finish this season as one of the top three to five goalkeepers in the league, yeah. um, the way we've seen him play so far. And and honestly, a, a guy who kept Orlando City in games in that tournament in stretches and 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 won the Lions some games in that tournament. So um, this is, I think, I'm comfortable saying this is the best goalkeeper Orlando City has had in the MLS era. I don't even think it's close. Um, and he's not a guy you would just send out on loan uh, unless, like I said, you're really, really desperate and you're hemorrhaging money. Uh, but actually, the team that's hemorrhaging money in this case is Independiente, who have had not really an outright revolt, but they've had four, at least four players who have declared themselves free agents because they weren't getting paid. Uh, there were some late payments to Mexico for uh, Cecilio Dominguez, who was uh, just recently made, well, actually it was yesterday, made Austin FC's first designated player. Uh, so what Austin did was they they bought this player. He's a designated player. We're loaning him back to Independiente. So now he's getting paid. Right. <laughs> and uh, he gets to stay with the club that he's been with. Uh, but they they had uh, a couple of $4 million, I think two $4 million payments to Club America that they are behind on. And uh, so... I mean, Independiente, the, the Argentinian league in in general has really 
been struggling financially and especially during this pandemic. So, um, you know, the, the funds aren't there. But when they came looking for Pedro Galese and Orlando City said, how about no? Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> they they said, well, what about a transfer? And, you know, there was like, again, not a formal I'm writing you a letter on our stationery with our offer kind of offer. But basically, through back channels, they said, we want him. Here's the amount we're willing to pay for a transfer. And Orlando was like, yeah, no. Nope. Nope. They noped out. And so right now, Pedro Galese is a lion and will likely remain a lion. Um, Even if Independiente comes back with another bid, it's unlikely they will get in the neighborhood of where Orlando wants them to be. Because... I don't think they can. They're already, you know, I was reading quite a bit about the, how they're, they want to be a big club. They want to make a big splash. They are not able to sell a bunch of young players off. They don't have a lot of young talent that people want in, in Europe that they can sell and, and make money that way. Uh, they've taken bridge loans out. Those aren't good. Um, yeah. You know, so I don't think that financially they can do it. So that uh, anything else you want to talk about the Lions, other than uh, you know the the two games uh, coming up, we'll talk about at the end. We got we got plenty to talk about with two matches coming up, so All I'm right. good. So let's do that. Let's turn our attention toward other matters. We'll do that right after this. All right, Dave. Let's turn our attention toward the Orlando Pride, the Pride of yeah. Orlando. That's going to be exciting. <laughs> uh, NWSL news. Yeah, we haven't had a lot of uh, NWSL news to talk about, uh, but we got some today. The NWSL has announced that the fall series will be played between September 5th and October 17th. And basically what happens, Dave, is there's going to be three, what they're calling pods of three teams each, because there are nine teams in the NWSL. Each of these three pods will consist of three teams, as mentioned, and they will all the teams will play the other two teams in their pod, both home and away. So, in other words, every team's playing four games. You're going to play, in, in Orlando's case, the Pride will be in a pod with North Carolina Courage, just a reminder, two-time defending champs, yep. uh, and the Houston Dash, just a reminder, just won the NWSL Challenge Cup. And so. they will play those teams at home and away. So they will travel to North Carolina. They'll travel to Houston. They'll play both teams at home, presumably at Exploria Stadium. But that hasn't been formally announced. That part of it hasn't been. Um, they could play at the training facility. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> some of the games, it looks like, because they're, they're going to be 18 total matches, uh, over the course of seven weeks in the NWSL. And out of these 18 games, it appears that 11 of them at least will be broadcast. It appears that way because I'm just going by the press release, which says there are four uh, games going to be tele- uh, televised on CBS and three on CBS Sports Network. That's seven. And it says additionally four games will be uh, broadcast on CBS All Access, which is their streaming service, as you know. And that adds up to not 18. No, that's less than 18. Yes. Wait, let me check. Yep, that's less than 18. 
So that is uh, 4 plus 3 plus 4. That's 11. It appears that seven games won't be televised. Dave, what are the odds that three of the games that won't be televised are Pride games? Or four? <laughs> it's going to be very good. Uh, it, it, it would be almost a certainty if it wasn't that they want they, that they probably want uh, Houston and North Carolina on TV. So that might be the only thing that saves Orlando and, and puts misery upon us. <laughs> but uh, um, yeah, I don't expect uh, I wouldn't be expecting to get to see all of the pride matches. So, of course, they're they're trying to keep the players safe and the team safe and the, um, you know, the, the staff from each club safe. And they've come up with new protocols. Um, they will be flying, uh, but they're going to be there's going to be bus regulations in terms of how many can sit where on the bus and that kind of thing. And, and there's going to be uh, PPE uh, guidelines and, and lodging guidelines, and all of that. They're going to try to keep the team safe. And, you know, it's kind of like what other sports are doing uh, to try to keep everybody from getting the coronavirus. Um, I guess it's I guess it's good that some of the pride players have had it and no longer have it. Um, probably well, it's, and, not, and it's not good, but, I mean, it, no. it happens. So, um, so the, the good news I mean, the, is it'll be easy for uh, the pride to social distance since, you know, there aren't as many of them. Right. The point is... Uh, that they are are taking precautions, and that's good. They're trying to be safe. Um, The problem, Dave, is that there are a lot of Pride players out on loan or on short-term deals um, overseas. And the reason I put it that way is because you can't loan out a national team player. They just sign a short-term contract. So it's a technicality, but they're kind of on loan, but not really. Like uh, Emily Sonnet, for example. Right. Uh, So... Players with other teams right now, Camilla, Claire Emsley, Alana Kennedy, Phoebe McLernan, Aaron McLeod, Jade Moore, Carson Pickett, Allie Riley, Emily Sonnet, Shalina Zadorsky. Um, it's a lot of starters in there. <laughs> um, a lot of important players. Um, yep. And that's not even to say anything of Alex Morgan, who has, you know, since given birth, she's training on her own, but she isn't. She's she's not like with the team right now. Um, not that the team is like the team because they're doing with the team because they're doing individual uh, training right now. Um, but you know, it, it does leave a lot of players or a lot of holes in the lineup. Uh, there's only one goalkeeper right now, Ashlyn Harris. Mm-hmm. Um, defenders that are with the team: Julie King, Allie Krieger, Courtney Peterson, Kanya Plummer. Those last two are rookies. Tony Presley and Morgan Reed. I believe Morgan Reed was on the 45-day DL uh, late in June, placed on that uh, before the Challenge Cup. Midfielders Taylor Korniak, Marta, Emily Van Egmond. There was a rumor that Van Egmond was going to go play in England, but that has not happened yet. Uh, Marissa Vigiano. Forwards, Kristen Edmonds, who isn't, I guess, really a forward, but she's listed as a forward on the team site. Yeah. (laughs) Same with Abby Alinsky. Uh, Caitlin Farrell and Sydney LaRue. So th- there's your attackers, Dave. Edmonds, yeah. Alinsky, Farrell, and LaRue. Where are the goals coming from? LaRue. LaRue. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, Edmonds has scored goals in this league, so I shouldn't, I shouldn't make fun, but, uh, you're, you're asking a lot. Um, but Covered that's pretty not, bare. that's not a lot of players. So 
you know, the team is going to have to add players or bring players back from loan. I don't believe that the team will bring players back from loan um, because they just got where they're going. Um, and some, that, in but... some cases, these are going to be players playing at a higher level. Um, we don't have any indication that the fall series has any kind of meaning, meaning that these are friendlies until we hear otherwise. They're not competing for a trophy. It's not the regular season. Um, again, glorified scrimmages, maybe friendlies chance to evaluate some players. Uh, so they're going 14 players are not enough, Dave. They're going to have to add some players in. And those yep. are going to be like the likes of what we've seen in the past, where they bring in national team replacement players, young players out of college trialists, um, you know, players trying to get back into it who maybe have been around for a little while and, and are without a team. Um, I don't know what's going to happen, but I know that, you know, a lot of teams have loaned some players out, but not like Orlando. Like Orlando has loaned a lot of players out and a lot of key players out. Yeah. Uh, be prepared for a lot of names of players that you have never heard of and never seen. Uh, or if you have, you saw them once in a preseason match, you know, a year ago or something like that. It's, uh, it's not going to be a ton of familiar faces. Um, and, you know, I don't expect uh, them to bring back any of the short-term contract uh, or loans players because my feeling is the pride knew, at least to an extent, that the the possibility was this pods thing, and they made the decision that uh, you know we can we can do better by. You know, since it has no meaning, we can do better by letting a lot of our you know starters go play at a higher level. We'll bring in some people that we want to evaluate that you know might be able to make the team later, and and we're we're going to use it as a we're going to use it as a tool to do that rather than worry about seriously competing. Not that the players aren't going to seriously compete, but uh, that you know the the purpose of it is is not solely to win matches because if it was they wouldn't have loaned out those players yeah i mean we heard uh, weeks ago that there was a possibility of like regional tournaments and this type of a thing uh happening um you know i kind of thought when i heard it that these might be like mini bubbles you know like two or three you know a couple of teams that are all kind of camped in the same city the way that the challenge cup was all in utah uh the way the mls tournament uh, MLS's back tournament was here, uh, but no, these are they're going to actually use the the home markets. Um, so I guess the good news is there's going to be some form of Orlando Pride soccer in 2020. I'm knocking on wood because I thought that before, and then the Challenge Cup withdrawal happened. Um, <laughs> so we we hopefully get to see the Pride in action in some form, uh, but it won't be the team. It will be there will be players missing that you know that you would want to see obviously in that. I mean, that happens in World Cup years and that happens in Olympic years like next year, um, which was going to be this year. Uh, right. So it does happen that, you you know, you don't always get your first choice lineup uh, in, in the NWSL. But, um, you know, there, there's there's some holes here and it, they're pretty obvious ones. And, um, you know, we'll we'll have to see what Mark Skinner and, uh, you know, Amanda Duffy and the, the whole crew um you know, decide to do with this and, and how they approach it. But the, you know, they're, they're in a, they're going to be playing two very, very difficult teams and probably wins are going to be hard to come by with the lineups that they're going to be throwing out there, unless the other teams are also looking at youngsters. Um, so 
it's kind of a mixed blessing. It's like yes, there's it's yes, there's pride soccer, but it's kind of like pride light. It's absolutely pride light. Um, <laughs> and has, NWSL light, really. Yeah. <laughs> has any coach had as weird and uh, difficult of a start to a uh, career with a, a club as Mark Skinner has had with the pride? I can't imagine it. Um, I mean, but I, I, would, wow. I would totally read those stories, though. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, if anybody uh, could think of somebody that's had it rougher than Mark Skinner has had with their pride, let me know because I can't think of anybody. Um, I want to give a shout out to our Scott Carnavale who is uh, keeping track of the Pride Worldwide, <laughs> yes. and uh, he's going to be keeping track of stats of the uh, the players and their performances in uh, their various locations: Brazil, Sweden, Iceland, Spain, Cyprus. England uh, said England. Um, yeah. So there's, you know, there's a lot of players all over the world and uh, Scott's going to track them for you so that you don't have to. That's so nice of him. <laughs> Indeed. Um, anything else we should talk about with the pride? Anything else going on? Um, I don't think so. I mean, that's, that's the biggest news that we've had in a while. I mean, other than, yeah, it's nice to talk about something other than just loaning players out. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, because I think maybe that was the other, probably the other thing that Pride Newsworthy, you know, since we last talked, was probably, I, I would have to go back, but I'm, I'm pretty sure we probably had a loan or two that became yeah. official since we last talked. So, um, you know, it's, it's, you know, good for the league to try to get something done. Good for the league to try to get some exposure. Um, I don't know if you want your product on national television if it's not really your product. Um, you know, if it depends on how teams really approach these. If they approach these as friendlies, then probably you're not going to have the intensity and the quality that you would like to show off on a national TV situation. But um, at the same time, Exposure is exposure. Well, and, you know, you as we mentioned, you're probably going to have a lot of younger, you know, not signed trialist type players out there, and they're almost certainly going to be hungry to prove themselves. So, you know, who knows? Um, I'm always of the mindset that uh, soccer is better than no soccer, so I'll take what we can get. Yeah. So that's a good way to look at it. Uh, Dave, let's turn our attention to the OCB Minute. Woo-hoo. It was uh, it was not a good week for the young lions. Um, I I will first of all, my heart goes out to anybody who tried to watch the OCB forward Madison game the other day on Sunday. Um, I do not know what was going on with that ESPN Plus stream, but it was the weirdest stream I've ever seen. It was those it was the worst stream that ever streamed. And okay. if you watched it <laughs> throughout much of the game it would glitch like it would you could see it kind of pixelate at the bottom then it would kind of freeze for a second and then it would revert to this this opening scene from the opening of the broadcast where where fans were walking into the stadium so you got to see like over the course of like the first half you probably saw 10 minutes of the same two couples walking into the stadium and this one guy up in the top of the grandstand all by himself in a white shirt and he had a black mask on and he was socially distancing 
and he was having a good time, but meanwhile, the game was being played. It it sounds to me like Egon had a radical idea that Venkman went along with, and they crossed the streams. It was terrible. I mean, it, it was it was, and it was funny because it, almost every single time there was a set piece, you would get that glitch, and so. <laughs> You're like, oh, dude's running up to take a free kick in a dangerous area, and oh, here comes Bob and Betty into the stadium again. <laughs> and and why isn't that cop? Why is she not wearing a mask? She's not wearing a mask. What is going on? Um, yeah, it was uh, it was frustrating to say the least. And I didn't have audio. Now Sean, Sean, I don't know how, but his stream had audio. I didn't get any audio till the second half. So the whole first half, I had nothing, and I kind of. <laughs> It, it was a little bit upsetting because when I did get audio and they'd have that glitch and the, then the, the same couple would be walking into the stadium in their four Madison shirts with their with their uh, seat cushions. And I wanted them to acknowledge this, that this was happening. And they never did. I wanted them to say, oh, and there they are again. you know, Because the, the announcers were not at the stadium. So when the first goal happened for Madison's open scoring, uh, nobody knew what happened. Because it was during a glitch. So we did eventually find out who scored the goal, but we didn't see the goal. We didn't have a replay of the goal. <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was really bad. It was like to the point where ESPN Plus should have just went, okay, who can we figure out the IP address of everybody who's watching and just send them a check? <laughs> for for a check for two cents. <laughs> yeah. Uh, by the way, the, the Young Lions tied that game up at 1-1. Uh, Mason Lamb scoring, and um, then Ford Madison got another one in the second half, and then uh, there was a, as you would expect, big long lightning delay. The sky didn't even look bad. Just all of a sudden, the 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 lightning uh, sirens went off. Everybody went off, and then uh, later on, uh, Ford Madison added a third, and it was a three-one loss for OCB. I know it's been longer than an OCB minute, but it really a minute doesn't do justice to how bad that stream was. Well, and to be fair, you only talked about OCB for a minute or less. <laughs> That's you true. talked about you talked about the couple and the cop and the guy at the top of the stands a lot more than a minute, which that was probably the most interesting thing anyway, so okay. Yeah. And you know, OCB didn't play that badly. They you know, the thing about Ford Madison is they are a veteran team. They're a good team. They're one of the better teams in USL League 1. But they're a team that wants to go out and win games, and so to do that, they they have guys that are over 30. They have a couple of 28-year-olds. Uh, these are a bunch of teenagers playing against them, and, and, and early 20-somethings playing against guys who've been around a while. They're a little crafty. Um, and as the game wore on, and, and you know, because you, it's soccer's a physical game, you know, 17, 18-year-olds are going to tire more than, you know, 25-year-olds. They're They're bigger they're stronger they're it's just a fact of life so uh orlando city b played really a good first half and uh, and then they just wore down in the second half they're on the road it was a football field it had lines and numbers on it and stuff and i have to say i don't i don't know what the stadium's called where where forward madison's playing because they're not playing at their regular stadium i was fascinated by the buildings around the stadium that were in the in the shots and i was trying to imagine what kind of business is that and what do they do there <laughs> and and that just tells you 
how interesting the game was? Not really how interesting the game was, but how hard it was to follow the game with what was going on with the stream. Okay, that's fair. And uh, I just disliked it. Two thumbs down. Uh, didn't like the result. Um, but I did like the fact that OCB played better in that game, even though the result wasn't much different. They played better in that game than they did the previous game against uh, FC Tucson. So uh, so it was good to see that at least that they bounced back a little, even though the, the final score wasn't really indicative of, of how they kind of bounced back and played better soccer in the second game. They, they, they held more of the possession <clears throat> in the second half, but they were actually a better soccer team in the first half. Um, so it was weird, but well, uh, that's you know, not the first time that's, that's happened. That's USL League One. USL League One is weird. So and and evidently <clears throat> the stream was crossed. Yeah, and and, and it made me quite cross <laughs> many times. So uh, the Young Lions will try to get after it again Friday against Tormenta FC. That's a home game. So they'll be back at Osceola Heritage Park, um, you know, at Osceola County Stadium, and hopefully they will bounce back. So yeah, you, you and I, I think we recorded during the Tucson game when they were getting their shellacked, and then we finished up on Wednesday night because we had a, a terrible, terrible glitch of our <laughs> own, but we didn't subject the world to it. We actually just yeah. moved on, <laughs> unlike <laughs> unlike ESPN Plus. Um, and uh, so, yeah, so that's it. That's your OCB minute. And uh, we'll see if they can do better against Tormenta. And then they'll they'll play North Texas on September 3rd. So the next couple games coming up for OCB. And uh, hopefully they'll get some results. But, again, those are teams that did pretty well last year. Tormenta FC and, and North Texas did pretty well last year. So we'll, we'll see. Yes, we shall. All right, Dave, should we do our listener mail? I think we should. Okay, there's they've, two ways. They've waited long enough. Yeah, they've waited way too long. Listener mail. Ask us anything here at the Mainland uh, Podcast. You can do it two ways. You can uh, hit us up on email by emailing us at themainland at gmail.com. And use AskTMLPC in the subject line. The other way you can do it is hit us up on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is at the Mainland, and use the hashtag AskTMLPC at us. And ask away, and it shall be answered. Dave, what do we got on Twitter? On Twitter, we've only got one this week from friend of the pod, Ryan Smith, who I'm assuming is talking about uh, the sign of Matthias. Does this all but confirm that we've seen Dom in purple for the last time? I do not think this confirms it. I think it already was a thing. Uh, based on his injury, the length of time of the recovery, and the fact that he is expensive. I think that the Matthias signing had nothing to do with it, but I think we have seen the last of Dom. I think you and I kind of talked about that in the past. Yeah, yeah, we've we've already alluded to the to the fact that we, we think that uh, for good or bad, uh, Dom's most likely uh, done with the Lions. So uh, I'll agree with you. I don't know that this, this signing uh, had anything to do with it. Um, but, uh, you know, we still appreciate the question. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And again, you know, maybe something crazy happens and Dom is willing to take a huge pay cut to stay here and be a sub. It's 2020. Yeah, who knows? Um, never say never, but we both believe that, that 
that he will not be back in purple and neither of us believes it has anything to do with Matthias Ias' signing. Uh, that will bring us to our good friend David Victor. Since all that's right. all the all the Twitters we had, we will move on to the Gmail question of the week. David Victor says, happy belated birthday, Dave. Thank you, uh, good sir. David Victor says, my girlfriend and I are moving in together. Hey, congratulations. Uh, and we are having a four-legged friend come, al- come along. We each have a four-legged friend coming along. Do you have any suggestions oh. on how to get my cat and her dog to play nice with each other in our new place? <laughs> um, uh, yeah, uh, an old priest and a young priest. Um, it, it, there's there's no telling. Um, it really kind of depends on, on what your cat's like and what your dog's like. Uh, I've We've got three dogs and a cat here. One of the dogs grew up with a cat. They're cool. Uh, the other two dogs are way too interested in the cat for the cat's, uh, preferences. Um, and so he does not, he does not like it. Um, introduce them slowly, be aware that there's probably going to be some, uh, there might even be some blood, um, spilled and, and just, uh, just do the best you can. There's, there's, it, it, there's really no rhyme or reason to it in my experience. Uh, well, to stick with your earlier uh, reference, dogs and cats living together is mass hysteria. Um, yes. The, the I think some of the things, I don't know if you've done this yet, but I would say some pet play dates are in order. Get them around each other as soon as you can because you can't work through the issues until you actually start the process. Um, yeah, yeah, the smells have to happen first. Yeah, I, I would think that... Hopefully the dog is um, not able to get into some of the spaces the cat can. So if the cat needs to retreat, the cat can find some places to be uh, by itself. Um, you know, and, and if not, you need to make that an option. You need to somehow make some kind of a separator uh, device that allows cat to be in a room that the dog is not. Unless it's the other way around and the cat's the one that's terrorizing the dog, which does sometimes happen. Um, I've seen the, I've seen the funny videos, especially if the cat is not declawed. If the cat is not declawed, there's a, and the dog is of a certain temperament. Yeah, the cat can actually be the aggressor, and and then you need a place for the dog to escape to. So, I would say keep in mind you might need some uh, some escape room, uh, some alone time, some split them up time, but uh, try to get them uh, used to each other as quickly as you can because the saddest thing is when. You know, it just isn't working, and and some something has to give, and and you you make that tough decision that uh, you might need to find a home for for one of the pets. Um, nobody ever wants to do that. No, no, you don't. And um, it's it, they. I I would also add that both need their their own space. Um, so I don't know where you guys are at as far as pets sleeping in your room or sleeping in the bed or anything like that. But uh, if uh, you're both coming to it with, oh, yeah, my pet sleeps in the bed, them both sleeping in the bed is not going to happen right away. And you're going to need to figure out some there's there's going to be space issues is what I'm saying. Yeah. But let us know how it goes. Cause, uh, yeah. We're, we're very we're interested. Yeah. Uh, I didn't really is didn't really. I, you know, I don't know David Victor, but I didn't I wouldn't have predicted he would be a cat person. Is it David's cat? 
Yeah, David says it's his cat and her dog. Okay. Well, you know, I mean, we, we do like her better, so the fact that she's a dog person is not entirely surprising. Now, I have both, so I'm able to say that. This question is not, by the way, David, distracting us from the fact that you have not yet informed us about the waxing and whether yeah. or not that that's taken place. So uh, we need an update. Because we have her email, and we're not afraid to use it. That's right. And uh, we need we need uh, we need answers to the the big questions. <laughs> yeah, we want to know. We we know the fur is going to fly. We want to know what happened to yours. Yeah. All right. Uh, that I think does it for the the email or for the the questions this week. It does. Uh, once again, two ways to do it: email us at themainland at gmail dot com, or hit us up on Twitter at the mainland is our Twitter handle with the hashtag AskTMLPC. Those are the methodologies at your disposal to ask us literally anything, even about cats and dogs living together. <laughs> Which our answer will always be mass hysteria. Um, yeah, yeah, could be mass yeah. hysteria. All right, uh, Dave, Orlando City's got two games before we next talk on these... Uh, these airwaves, these these uh, virtual airwaves of the podcast, <laughs> and uh, one of them will be a first meeting ever with Nashville SC, and the other will be a visit to the, uh, what do they call them, Megatron's Sphincter in Atlanta to play Atlanta <laughs> United. That ugly-ass yes. building in Atlanta. I know they're going there. And to play on yeah. fake, fake grass and... Uh, so there's two games that we need to discuss. There are indeed. Um, so let's start with Nashville. We don't know them real well because we haven't played them before, so there's a reason for that. But this is a team, Dave, that's got some talented players, uh, like we talked about Miami's players. Um, there's some talent on this team, and you would think that this is a team that on paper should win some games. One guy we're very familiar with, who has been a real... Uh, cover your ears, folks. He's been a real pain in the ass. And that's David Akam. Yeah. Uh, I'm not afraid to say I'm really kind of sick of David Akam and his propensity to score against Orlando City. But there it is. It's out there. He plays for Nashville. He's had a lot of success against the Lions. Uh, Dax McCarty plays for this team. Annabelle... Uh, Godoy plays for this team. Walker Zimmerman, uh, Daniel Lovitz. They just picked up Alex Moyle from uh, New York Red Bulls. Um, this is a team has got some talent. Um, and that's yeah. not even talking about their their DPS. Uh, so they got Abu uh, Don Lottie from Minnesota United. Uh, this is a team that you know you look at them on paper and you go some quality here. Um, so there's a lot that you you need to. To deal with, obviously. Um, Dax is coming home again. He's played here before, obviously, with other teams. But um, it'll be interesting. Uh, you know, he always uh, wants to put on a show for his folks. And, you know, this is a a Nashville side that has, you know, they took advantage. Uh, even though they, they didn't go to MLS's back because of coronavirus positive tests, they were able to get a home-and-home or, you know, a two-game series with FC Dallas. And in that two games against FC Dallas, all they managed to do 
was take home four of the six points with a win and a draw. So uh, they were doing pretty good until they played Atlanta on the weekend. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, this is not a gimme by any uh, any stretch of the imagination. So, you know, don't everybody go sleeping on on Nashville. There's, uh, there's plenty on the line. I think uh, one good thing is, obviously, uh, Exploria Stadium with some a at least a portion of the fans in the stand um is is something to look forward to that's right did that happen before we talked last week uh that they made the announcement that that was going to happen yeah i don't remember man it's, <laughs> it's like, i've been it's, on vacation these things run together so much but yeah up to 25 percent of the of the stadium will be filled somewhere around 20 to 25 percent maximum uh depending on how they sell tickets because they're you know, if you call up and say, you know, there's four of us who want to block a four, well, then they, they find your spot, and then they have to figure out the distance to put the next group. Uh, and so that's kind of how they fill in the stadium for this this limited capacity situation. Uh, but there will be some people in the seats, and that's good. And, um, you know, that's not something that Miami had, uh, although that, now that the Dolphins have announced that they're going to let 13,000 people into their stadium, that might give uh inter miami the, the you know the the wherewithal to change their uh situation as well but in front of some fans nashville coming in um good players they haven't put it all together quite yet they're they've they've kind of struggled i think a little bit on the offensive end more than anything uh dave how do you see this playing when playing out uh, what is your what is your key matchup and uh you got a score prediction for nashville on wednesday yeah, so uh, like you said, despite their you know maybe not being uh, as uh, in tune on the offensive side, I think my my key matchup is still going to be uh, Orlando's defensive midfield and back line getting back into form and you know stopping to come uh, as as you mentioned he's he's hurt us before and so I, I think they need to have the rebound from from the last match. Um, I think they can do it. It's as I mentioned, it's in Exploria Stadium. I think that uh, Oscar's really going to want to uh, have the have the club make a statement in this game, um, not just because of the last game, but also just being back in the in Exploria with uh, fans in the stands. So because of all that, I think uh, City actually does get it done. I'm going to call a two-one win. Uh, in Exploria. All right. Yes, the the team uh, has scored two goals in five games and allowed five goals. So they have, they're only allowing a goal a game. So they're a pretty decent defensive club. You would expect that with Walker Zimmerman and Daniel Lovitz and Jaleel Anibaba. Oh, that's hard for me to say tonight. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, the, the problem the last two games for Orlando has been given up goals and so you I, I agree with you I think the defense needs to show that it has patched up the problems uh, that it can do it both during set pieces and during open play uh, so I think to me that is that is probably the biggest thing especially when you got a guy like David Akam who has had great success against them so uh, and and he's not even really maybe the biggest weapon that they have so I think that you're dead on on your key matchup and I also think you're dead on on your score prediction because that's what I had in mind as well. It was a 2-1 Orlando City victory. 
which of course means that it cannot be a 2-1 Orlando City victory. Right, and that uh, the defense won't be the key matchup. Yeah, there's there's no <laughs> way if we pick both of those things the same that any of that will be true. So well, we have we've had our key matchups be right before. Um, we have score wise. I, I say we get our key matchups right a lot more often than our score. Yes, we do. We're, <laughs> we're not. They don't always listen to us, but yes, true. Uh, yeah, so Orlando City, um, you know, just really needs to lock down defensively against a team that's struggled to score goals. Take care of David Akam, take care of Rios um, and up front. And, uh, you know, Dominic Baggi's on this team. He's another guy that's uh, scored a goal, I think, against Orlando City in the past, maybe more than one. These are the guys you got to watch, uh, but also, you know, don't sleep on that mid field for them because Godoy and, and McCarty are, are solid players and you know you really where Orlando gets into trouble is when they turn the ball over if they do a good job of controlling the ball then they are usually pretty good the other thing too that I, I'm going to be interested in is if if Nashville comes in and plays a low block the way that Miami did the way that Portland did has Orlando found a way to deal with that I, I think Miami's low block I mean, obviously they gave up two goals, so it wasn't like totally effective, but um, Portland's was very effective. And I think that another factor in this game that we haven't really talked about is we really don't know what the situation is going to be for Oscar Pereja and rotation, because then there's only two days off in between the Atlanta game. So, yeah, you know, he talked Monday at his press conference about, you know, having a plan. Of course, he didn't want to share that with the media <laughs> for some <laughs> unknown reason. Yeah, uh, weird. But um, I think we can expect some starters to rest in this game to be ready for Atlanta. Um, but I think for – I kind of expect most of the starters in this game um, and then seeing more rotation on the road against Atlanta because it's a road game. I think that he'll he'll prioritize the home game even though – you look at Atlanta and go, boy, we'd really like to get that first win against Atlanta. Um, anyway, that's just a gut feeling. There's nothing that's, you know, out there that explicitly says anything different. So he uh, just talked about a plan, having a plan, figuring it out. You know, we know that Tesho didn't play the full game on Saturday. We know Mueller only played half a game. I would expect that they'll both start. Um but DK, you know, he won't hesitate to go back to DK after that great uh, performance, his, his first start. Um, where I'm kind of thinking we might see some rotation is at the fullback position. Because uh, you just can't run Zhao and Juan into the ground during these 15 days, this five games of uh, 15 days situation. So um, might see some fullbacks that we don't normally see. Maybe we'll see Rodrigo Schlegel on the outside on the left. Maybe we'll see Kamal Miller. Maybe we'll see Kyle Smith in this game. Um, it's hard to say. But I'm really looking forward to seeing how Oscar attacks these two games and how he um, you know, approaches his, his lineups. Yeah, yeah. No, it's uh that's as much of a storyline as any you know, anything else we're talking about with like you you mentioned so many games in such a short period of time. Uh so, you know, like you said, they they they're going to go out there Wednesday or, or tonight, you know, this, this podcast is yeah. dropping on Wednesday. Uh, and then they're going to have uh, Thursday and Friday to recover Saturday. They will travel to Atlanta 
and they will fly into Atlanta on Saturday, and they will play uh, Atlanta United. And I think for that game, I think I'll go first since I put you on the spot first for the other game, and I will say for me the key matchup is stopping their hot hand, who uh, entering this week uh, is P.T. Martinez. I think he's the guy you got to stop. I think the key matchup, again, is Orlando's defense against the Atlanta United offense, uh, particularly uh, Martinez. Yeah. Uh, score prediction? Uh, I think we get a result, but we don't get that elusive first win. I'm going to go 1-1 on the road on Saturday. Okay. Uh, I'm going to uh, agree with you on the key matchup. Um, once again, I, you know, I, I think that uh, Orlando City will, will get the defense, uh, you know, going back in the right direction against Nashville, but uh, going on the road, you know, maintaining that, especially like you mentioned with rotation, um, that's going to be um, that's going to be the tough part. And then um, I also think they're going to get a result. Um but I'm going to go 2-2. I think that uh, Orlando's, you know, been finding ways to score some goals. I think they'll continue to do it. But I also think it's going to be tough to keep Atlanta out of the net. So 2-2 uh, draw for me. All right. Never, never know what's going to happen on fake fields. Yeah, yeah, indeed. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, one thing we know is that uh, however these games go, they'll be two or three more quick ones on the other side of them. So we'll come back next week, Dave. We will talk about both the Nashville and Atlanta games as uh, the tour of the South continues here uh, <laughs> for the next, for the rest of phase one of uh, the restart for MLS. And uh, then we will of course come back next week and we'll have more games to get ready for because next week we will talk about, guess what? Nashville again. <laughs> hey. So next Tuesday when we record, uh we will talk about a Nashville Atlanta twofer. Once again, it will be only this time it'll be reversed. It'll be at Nashville next Wednesday and it'll be home to Atlanta on Saturday. So basically the same schedule, opposite cities uh for two straight weeks. Yeah, so you know, keeping it fresh is always what you want to do in entertainment. So much for that. <laughs> we we know at least we'll we'll have a little better idea of maybe of how Nashville plays. Um, sure. We'll have uh, you know some idea of what Atlanta is like, you know, without Joseph Martinez this year. Um, mm-hmm. After we get more of an opportunity to see them, you know, they they didn't score a single goal in MLS's back, didn't win a single game, but then you know they came out and uh, and put up a two nothing win in their first game out. So they, you know, their interim coach getting it done better than their old coach, I guess is the, the takeaway. <laughs> yeah. Well, it couldn't have been much worse. So, yeah. Speaking of interim coaches, uh, I guess the revs don't really need Bruce arena either. Cause they have a two nothing lead against DC United as we, as we speak. Um, <laughs> and he is suspended. If you hadn't heard that news, uh, he, during the MLS's back tournament, he lost his ever-loving mind in the uh, knockout stage at the end of the game, got red-carded for abuse of an official, and uh, it was announced. You know, the way they always do it, they wait till. are you just about to play another game? Okay, now more games to your suspension. And that's what they right. did. So he missed their first game, uh, which I think was a nil-nil draw, and then uh, they came back just before the next game went, uh, two more games for you, and $15,000 fine. 
for that uh, abuse of officials. So uh, clearly not affecting the revolution at all. Maybe they'll just go the rest of the year without him. Well, just, you know, <laughs> they'll, bring, they'll bring him back and, and he'll, you know, get red carded again and just keep going along like that. I mean, if it's working for him, don't stop. Don't. That's right. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. That's right. <laughs> oh, yes. All right. So that's it. I mean, we could just, Dave, we could just like take next week off and 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 just post this podcast two two weeks in a row. <laughs> could we do that? Would you think anybody would notice? That's the key. <laughs> no. Well, no. Absolutely, nobody's going to notice. Uh, you know, David Victor might be a little, you know, questioning why we answered his you know the same question again. But that's true. Other other than that, I don't think anybody else will notice. All right. I guess we'll. we'll I guess we'll do it then. I guess we'll come back and we'll do another recording next week and uh, talk about the same. That's teams. why we get paid the big bucks. <laughs> Uh, that's a good one um all right so that'll do it for episode number 211 of the mainland podcast we'll come back and do it all again next week and maybe we'll have a guest maybe that'll be the big difference between this week and next week so uh please read our stuff at the mainland.com we work really hard on our stories so Come and read them. That'd be fine. Um, follow Dave on Twitter, at Mainland Dave. Follow me on Twitter, at Mainland Michael. And follow The Mainland on Twitter, at The Mainland. Uh, like us on Facebook. Um, go leave us a five-star review on iTunes like nobody did this week. And uh, we will read your we will read your review on the air. But even if you don't want to do that, just leave us a rating. Just leave us a star rating. And that would be really awesome, too. Yes. It would make right. me feel so much better. <laughs> so much going on, Dave. Next time we talk, we also probably going to have to start previewing Pride Soccer. Oh, yeah. All right, we're going to be busy next week. Oh, man. All right, I'm going to quit my day job. <laughs> <laughs> so I can devote more time to the podcast. Yeah, right. All right, uh, we will see you next week. That's it for 211. It's in the can. We'll be back. We'll sign off the way we always do by saying, go City, go Pride, go OCB. And, uh, yeah, that's it. That's all I'm saying. Bye.